Good morning. Delighted you could be with us today. This is a wonderful day. It is the Lord's Day today. And so we should be glad on it. But I'm glad you could be with us. If you would like, start a uh, start a watch party if you are on Facebook or call your friends. We'd love to have them join us. Um, we hear from people from all over the world who are watching and uh, we're glad that they could. So please join us and uh, grab your Bible. We're going to be looking at some passages of Scripture. So please do that. It will be a wonderful time to have you with us today. So last week, if you were watching last week, the topic and the subject dealt with black magic in Samaria. And you need to know that this week kind of builds on last week. So Black magic in Samaria, if you didn't get it, you might want to go back and pick that up so you can follow along. So black magic feeds into today's topic in which we are looking at. And I'd like for you to open your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 12. This is the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel of John, which is my favorite gospel, by the way, John chapter 12. And if you could find that, we will follow along together. Now, this is a remarkable spot, so I need to get you into this story just a little bit. And that is chapter 12 of John follows the story of the raising of Lazarus. And a lot of people were following after, followed after Jesus because of that experience. So that's the kind of little bit of the background. People were drawn attention to when Lazarus was raised from the dead. So we'll pick up, if you would, chapter 12, verse 17. Now there was a crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continually to spread the word about what had happened. Of course, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was excited about it. They had been there and they had witnessed this and they had seen the raising of Lazarus. Remember, if you know the story, he had been dead for four days in the grave. In fact, Martha told Jesus he already smells, he already stinks, because uh, he asked to have the stone rolled away. And it was a marvelous when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so those people were absolutely shocked as they saw this experience. Verse 18, and many people, because they had heard that he performed the sign, went out to meet him because they wanted to, oh, we've heard, well, let's go see. They wanted to go see who had done this. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him, has gone because they want to say, well, who is this man? Who is this man who can do this? Who is the man who raised Lazarus from the dead? How could that possibly happen? You know, we don't see that today. We don't see people rising from the dead. Oh, sometimes a person is unconscious or they, they are uh, what we would say they're technically dead for a little bit and we revive them. No, this man had been dead for four days. Who is this man who can do this, make this? Now, there were certain Greeks, the Bible says, verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who had gone up to worship at the festival, which was going on in Jerusalem. And they came to Philip, one of the disciples, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee. And with a request, sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. 
Why did they want to go see Jesus? Because they, Greeks, these Gentiles, had heard from those who were spreading around what had happened. They had heard about the raising of Lazarus. And that was so remarkable to them because Greeks and Gentiles, they believed in a specific way that maybe the soul was going. And so that maybe they could talk to Lazarus. They wanted to go see Jesus. Did you bring this man back from the other world? as the Greeks were believing. So they wanted to go see him. They wanted to go talk with him. And they were shocked that this had happened. They had never had anybody they could ask and see what experience this was. So they came, the Bible says, they came with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. In other words, we want to see the man. We want to see the man who can raise someone from the dead. We want to see that. You know what? I, I would be like that too, wouldn't you? I would go. I would want to go. Let me go see. Let me go see who this is. Of course I would. If I saw someone had raised and learned someone had raised someone from the dead, I'd want to go see. Now we got to be careful about that because there are a lot of people who would like to trick us, charlatans and so forth. But these Greeks, because of their background, they said, we would like to go. We'd like to talk to this man who can raise someone from the dead. So they came. So they were expecting. And so what Philip went and they talked to the disciples and then they went and told Jesus, Jesus, there are some Greeks here and they would like to talk with you. Now, we must note how Jesus responded. Because this is going to be different than when the Gentiles had come to him before and they were kind of crowding around, Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. It's not time for me. But Jesus' response this time is different. I'd like for you to drop down, if you would, to verse 23. And we're going to pick up Jesus' response and how he responded to what the Greeks' request was when they, when they heard that they had come. And Jesus replied, Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come. Something had taken place. This was a different time. In fact, the reason that Jesus was making his way down that way was because it was coming to Passover. This was coming to the time at the end of his life. And Jesus was to be glorified. How? Jesus would be glorified because he would go to the cross and he would save us from our sins. That's what would glorify Jesus. Verse 24, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus knew that by his death, he would bring life to many. Verse 25, anyone, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me uh, and where I am, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now he goes on, my soul. My soul is troubled. 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Shall that be his prayer request? Certainly at Gethsemane, he asked, let this cup pass from me. But then Jesus said here in, in chapter 12, in verse 27, no, it was for this reason that I came into the world. It is for this reason that I came to this very hour. So when the Greeks came and asked him, we would see Jesus. It was a, almost a signal. It was a, a way of telling Jesus the time had come. And then Jesus said in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. This is his prayer. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice from heaven came. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And some people thought that was thunder. Others heard the words that were spoken by the Father at this moment to his son, saying his name would be glorified at the birth of Christ, and now at the cross he would glorify it again. Glorified at the baptism, we heard Jesus, the descendant of the Holy Spirit, and would be glorified again. Well, there's a hymn in our hymnal, and in many hymnals, maybe you have it in yours as well. But in our hymnal, it's number 494. And every once in a while, I remember these words, but I wanted us to look at just the second stanza of this hymn, We Would See Jesus. And it said, we would see Jesus, rock of our salvation, where one our foot were set with sovereign grace, not life, nor death, with all their agitation, can thence remove us from gazing on his face. Something about that. You see, the Greeks came and they had a request. Their request was, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. I would like to suggest to you that this is the very heart, the very heart of the book of John. This is the very heart of the book of the Bible. That it is there that we might see Jesus and understand who he is. We would see Jesus. You see, the heart of it, the power of it, the important moment that came is to share with us that Jesus had the power over death. That's why the Greeks came to see him. You have the power to raise someone from the dead. You have the power over death, which no one has ever had. You have that power. Therefore, Jesus would also want us to know and to realize that he has the power over sin as well. Not only the power over death, but over the effects of sin, which lead, the wages of sin lead to death. And so he had the power not only to take care of the death problem, but over the power of the sin, that he could overpower sin. Power over our sins. Then, Jesus then has the power to forgive and to save. Those steps, those important parts, the power over death, the power over sin, 
and the power to forgive and save, all locked up in that moment when he was glorified on the cross. And the Greeks came not knowing when they said we would see Jesus exactly what they were looking at, exactly what was happening. Okay, back to John chapter 12. Now skip down to verse 31. We're going to continue on with Jesus explains what's going on. John chapter 12, verse 31. Verse 31 says, now, now is the time, Jesus said, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world, speaking of Satan, now the prince of this world will be driven out. You see, Satan, we understand, took control of this world when he deceived Adam and Eve. But now the second Adam, Jesus, comes. And what Jesus is say, I'm coming to drive him out. I will reclaim on the cross that I am the prince of this world. Verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up, from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When I am lifted up, when I am up on that cross, and the meaning of the cross sinks in, the meaning of the cross and what it means, which it becomes the hinge of history. When I am lifted up like that, I will draw all men to myself. You can't ignore it. People have bronzed it. They've thrown it. They've burned it. They've trashed it. They've, they've uh, mocked it. But you can't, can't get rid of the cross. It stands staked in the ground for its claims upon every one of us. Well, we look back on COVID-19 period that we're in now. And it seems to be there's some rising and flowing with it, doesn't it? I noticed today that places I would go say, well, you have to wear a mask. So, of course, I have been, but dig out my mask and make sure I wear it wherever I go. But our church family is saying, well, you know, even though we're not meeting, <coughs> excuse me, even though we're not meeting, this may be an opportunity for us. Every challenge could present an opportunity. So just a couple of weeks ago, as I shared last week, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Steve uh, Krivda led us in. He was a young man in my church. He's a, he led us in a discussion. And that discussion we had, it was a board and a few others were gathered around, and we were, we were just kind of free-throwing and free-thinking about what the church should be. And he asked the question, what would you like the church to look like? What would it be by the time of July 2023, in three years, what would you like to see the church to be? Well, I've shared that with you last week, and I've gotten some responses, and perhaps you would like to respond. What would you like the church to be in three years? If you could say, this is the things I would like to see when I come in, when I want my church to be, this is what I would like it to be. And we've got lots of great answers, but we haven't maybe heard from you. If you would like, here's our uh, email address or our website, we could use that. You certainly could do that and leave a message there for us or leave it in the notes at the bottom as you're watching. Or you can send me an, an email here at wmbossert at gmail.com. Uh, I appreciate that. I've gotten some ideas from people sharing that with me about that on my uh, at my email account. So feel free, please share. Just do a little thinking. What would you like? And there have been lots of answers. So what would we like 
our church to be? What would we like it to be by July of 2023? In three years, three short years. Well, there are lots of good answers. Meaning in the community, we'd like people to know that we care about them, that we have love, accepted, and forgiveness for them, that they are not judged here poorly, that they are welcome, that we want to help our community in any way we can. But at the heart of it, at the heart of the things we showed on the board, at the heart of the things we wrote down was we would like a place where people could find Jesus. Find a place where they could go in one form or another to say, I've come. Just like the Greeks said, and they came and they asked, we would like to see Jesus. What would it take? Well, how would it be for people to say and come and say, at our church, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see him. You see, Jesus told us, and I, when I am lifted up, from the earth will draw all people to myself. I think that gives us a hint. The lifting up the crucified Savior and what that meant. See, when Jesus talked and the Greeks came, when they came to him, he didn't turn around and say, well, what are, you, what are your questions? What can I answer? He turned around and highlighted what his cross would mean and that people would be drawn to him, you see. So how could Jesus be lifted up here in Naples, in our ministry, in our outreach, and where we go? I think that's a sincere question to ask of any one of us who follow Christ. How could people get acquainted with us, who know us? How would we be able to lift up Jesus wherever we are? How could we do that? Well, if you're familiar where you were in Acts chapter 4, not... Not too long ago, looking in Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John had been arrested and they were hauled before the Sanhedrin because they had been up talking about Christ at the temple. That was a no-no, according to the Pharisees. And they had arrested them and they had brought them in and they brought them in after they had a prison and they brought them in probably the same place that Jesus was kept. So they, they brought him in before them and they scolded them and said, this is a terrible thing. And you can't talk about him anymore. Well, they responded by this. They said, as for us, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. That implies that they had had some type of a relationship and witness to what had taken place in Jesus' ministry here on earth, which they certainly did. So couldn't we have that same sort of experience and getting acquainted with Jesus by reading his life and what happened in the story in the scriptures? Certainly many, many people have done that already. Well, I don't know if you've been following the news, but these are really sobering days. I bet you have, and I bet you as shocked at what's going on. I remember the turmoil that happened during the 60s and 70s and then during the 80s. I remember those things. I remember seeing them, but I've never seen it like it is today. I've never seen such widespread and the anarchy and the destruction of what's taking place in our country. I used to live in Portland, Oregon, where this picture 
is from. I've been down to those places. I know where the courthouse is. I've walked those streets. And to see those beautiful town being destroyed by angry mobs for whatever, and some may be there for a very good and valid reason, protesting as is our right. But how can we respond? How can we meet that need? Sometimes I've heard glibly people say, well, Jesus is the answer. And I've heard, well, what's the question? Well, in reality, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer to what this world needs. To the anger, to the disappointment, to the sin, to the conniving, to the selfishness, to the corruption. Jesus is the answer to all of that. That's why it's important that we know Jesus, share who he is, and that we open the door for people so they could come and say, we would see Jesus. Can you show us Jesus? I've had people sometimes come into my office and say, you know, I know a little bit about religion or I know a little bit. Could you tell me what this whole thing is about Jesus? I had one young lady said, he's got to be more than just a swear word, right? And I kind of smiled at that and said, well, there's a lot to it more than just a swear word. Well, what do you mean when he's on the cross? Let me share with you what Jesus' story really is. And it's the story of Jesus that is so powerful, you see. It is the story of Jesus that makes a difference. But if you notice the words that we look back in chapter 12, Jesus said to them about being a servant, and he invites us, therefore, to follow him. He invites us to follow him. So it's, it's more than just, just going to see him. He opens the invitation that if we really want to, if we really want to be with him, following him. And even though the disciples could walk around day by day, through the Bible and through prayer and through fellowship and through worship, we can follow Jesus today. Just the same. Same Lord speaks to us through his spirit. And we can be a follower. I would like to invite you. I'd like to invite you to decide, I want to be a follower and if you need to know more about Jesus, then begin the journey. We'd be glad to help you in many ways. We have Bible 101 with Bill uh, that's on uh, YouTube. You can look that up and follow along. Or just let us know. Because we would be happy to share with you what it is, what it is that Jesus has to offer to you. Because he is the answer to what is going on in our world. He is the answer to the strife, the anger, the pain, the death, the sorrow. For he will make all things new. Come, follow him. Dear Lord, you've heard the invitation. I ask that your spirit touch lives and that they will be able to to who turn their hearts to you. Some have, they just need to continue. Others maybe have never made this decision. Lord, I ask that they be able to follow you. And wherever this is seen, 
may you truly be lifted up because you will be drawing all men to you. All of us, all people from whatever walks of life around the world, no matter if our racial background, our education, our country, our community, you open the door. and You invite us to come and to follow. It's my prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.